Good morning, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. It's 10 o'clock, and I'm Tim Harris, so that means it's time for Tim with Tim. Uh, good to see you. How you doing today? It's uh, <laughs> it's getting cold out there, y'all. I know. Some of you love fall. Some of you love winter. I don't understand you, but uh, I guess that's just one of the marvelous ways that we are different. And uh, today, uh, I guess ironically, we're talking about unity in the body of Christ. Uh, we have a lot of things that make us different, don't we? A lot of different opinions and preferences, but at the same time, if Jesus has called me and he has called you, then we are part of the same body and there is nothing that can divide us. That's kind of the message of Ephesians chapter four. Let's jump right in. Starts out, therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling because you've been called by God. Uh, it is a high calling to be a Christian, and so you must live a life worthy of that calling. The, the word worthy there, uh, axios, it, it has to do with a measuring scale. So in other words, you take everything that Christ has done for you and you put that on this side, and then you take you know the way you live your life for Jesus, what you do for him on this side. And uh, uh, let's just be honest, it, it's never going to even out. You're never going to, you know, pay Jesus back for saving your soul or dying on the cross for you. But it's just that whole idea that there should be some sort of uh, direct correlation between, you know, Jesus's, you know, sacrifice for you and your response, the way you live your life in response to him. Live a life worthy, Paul says. That is a tall order. But then he goes on, be patient with each other, uh, be humble, be gentle, make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. You know, what's he talking about? Make allowance for each other's faults. Cut each other some slack, you know? In other words, just figure it in, you know, already. Like if you've ever budgeted and you put in a little extra, you know, because you know there's always gonna be some things you didn't anticipate. So you anticipate the unanticipated things. Paul just says, just go ahead and factor in uh, the, the, the fact that other people are going to have faults and flaws, and you can't cut them off for that. You can't quit loving them for that. You got to cut them some slack, give them some margin, give them, you know, give them a little bit of allowance for that. Because can I just tell you a secret? You got flaws too, and everybody else is giving you some slack, and everybody else is loving you anyway. You know. And so make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And then verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, building yourselves together with peace. Make every effort. Oh, this is so hard. This is just so hard. And I'll tell you, in 27 years of being a pastor, the hardest part of being a pastor is church people that won't get along. I've said that the whole time. You know, I, I'm mostly working with adults. There are lots of wonderful children in our church. The children are never the problem. It's the adults who act like children. And, and this is really where Ephesians chapter 4 goes. It's, it, it talks about maturity. Verse 14, we're not going to always be immature like children, but so many adult Christians are like babies, you know? They don't know how to grow up, and, and they don't know how to make every effort to keep yourselves united. Understand unity there. It doesn't say make every effort, you know, to unite yourselves. No, Christ unites us. The Holy Spirit unites us. If I got the Spirit in me and you got the Spirit in you, then there is nothing in this world that can separate us unless we just choose that. 
And that's what he's saying. Don't give up the the supernatural unity that Christ has purchased for you. Don't give that up. Hang on to it. Fight to protect it. Do you know? Bind yourselves together with peace. Just be at peace. But oh my goodness, it's just so hard. It's just so hard. What's the clue? Well, I can't control other people. So the only thing I can do to contribute to the unity and peace of this congregation is to control my own behavior. I can't control what other people do, but I can control me. And I can be a presence of peace and unity in this congregation. How do I do that? Well, Paul says, always be humble, be gentle, you know. Humility is just that tendency to take your place among other people. I don't have to be somewhat better. I don't have to be something worse. I just want to take my place alongside all the other believers in Jesus, knowing I have equal access and everything else that Paul talks about. You know, humility. It's just taking your place among other people without trying to be something that you're not. Uh, Be humble. Be gentle. In other words, man, just as I said a minute ago, just sort of factor in that everybody you know is carrying a heavy burden, so be gentle with them. Don't be harsh. I know sometimes it feels so good to tell somebody off, or it feels so good to put somebody in their place, or it feels so good to judge somebody, but um, you wouldn't want that. You wouldn't want that. So be humble, be gentle, be patient with each other. Uh, Long-tempered is the word. You know, anybody with a short fusion, you know, they just explode on you, but Patient is that even having a really long fuse, really long temper, you know, just patient. Uh, I, I say, I, I can't control the church. I can't control everybody in the whole church family, but I can control me. So the secret to unity is to control your own behavior. I think that's what Paul is teaching us. Uh, there's seven fundamental unities that he gets to there going into verse four. There's one body, one spirit. Jesus, you've all been called to one glorious hope for the future, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. All right, seven fundamental unities. So hang on to that. But then he goes on. However, you know, each one of us has a special gift and, and Paul talks about spiritual gifts here. Um, However, it said, I, it, however, he just talked about all this unity, and then he says, however, uh, I guess the however has to do with the fact that, man, for, for a unified body, we sure are different, and some of us are more different than others. What's up with that? You know, the idea is that the Spirit makes us one, but he doesn't make us all the same. We're different, and the point of that is we're really rather magnificently different. I mean, you and I can be as different in, in some ways as night and day, but we're still a part of the same body and the same spirit animates us both. That, well, you know, what's up with that? And, and Paul explains that that's got to do with your giftedness. I know. It's hard to talk about spiritual gifts because of that word gift. We associate gift with like talent, like something that makes you special. It might even make you famous, you know, something that will earn you the admiration of others, something that'll put you on the stage, you know, something that'll make everybody go, man, I tell you, man, when when I saw you up there singing that solo, you you know, it's not about singing solos necessarily. I mean, some people do, but, but, but the point is a spiritual gift, man, it's not a talent, so to speak, it's it's a function. Uh, your spiritual gift, and we all have a spiritual gift. Paul makes that clear. We all have a special gift, but that gift is, think of it more in terms of a job to do. It, it's a function. It, it's not some talent to indulge or, you know, you know, share with others per se. 
It's a job to do. Everybody's given a job to do, and that's why we look different, because we got different jobs in the body of Christ. It's a job to do. Does that make sense? It's a job to do. And so for that reason, uh, we're all different. Um, the job that he gives me uh, is, is for ministry. If you haven't heard me say it, I say it all the time. Ministry happens when needs are met. And so if spiritual gifts are about you know, ministry to one another, then understand I have a need and, and somebody in this church family is going to be the answer to my need. I mean, this is what Paul is saying. God answers needs with people. I mean, that's why when he says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. And I'm thinking, here we go, man. Here's a list of you know possible talents. But no, here's the gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors. I mean, those are people. The gifts are people, you know? And so recognize the fact that you have a gift. And by gift, we mean you got a job to do. You have a function in the body of Christ. And that function is going to be directly related to somebody else's need. You got it? So there's a need in the church and God answers that need with a person. So you are the answer to somebody else's need. Go find that person. Find your job. Find your function. Stop looking for a talent. You know, just find your job. You got that? Does that make sense? Then we will no longer be immature like children. Do you see how that unity that unity in the body that is not at all threatened by the difference in our function, that, that unity and that fulfilling our function in the body of Christ, this is what leads to maturity. We're not going to be like immature children anymore, tossed and blown around, you know, and said, well, speak the truth in love. The most important thing you can ever do for me is speak, tell me the truth in love. Truth and love. I mean, those are the two things. If you got truth without love, that's just mean. That's just you being mean. And if you got love without truth, that's just you being a hypocrite. You know, you need truth, you need love together, and I need you to tell me the truth. There's no way I can keep growing in Christ if I don't have people in my life who will tell me the truth, you know? I think that's why some men think their wives nag. I'm just being honest. And it's just my theory on men. But I feel like men are, are usually more likely to be very isolated. We don't have people in our lives. And most of us intensely separate ourselves from people that might tell us something true that we don't want to hear. So our wife is often the only person in our lives who'll tell us, who'll try to tell us the truth about ourselves. And, and to us, that just sounds like nagging because she's the only one. You know what I mean? If we had other people in our life who'd say, dude, you're a jerk. Dude, quit talking like that. Quit treating people. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't have anybody else. It's just our wife. So we say, man, all she, all she does is nag. You know, no, you need lots and lots of people in your life, dude. You need, you need a number of people who will tell you the truth. I do too. If nobody tells me the truth, I can't grow. Paul goes on in verses 17 to 24, talks about thinking like Christ. If I, if I can't think like Christ, I'm never going to act or, 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 or do the things that Christ would have me to do. That comes down to a, a new way of speaking. I mean, stop telling lies, you know. Let, let, let tell your neighbors the truth. We're all parts of the same body. It's got, it's got to do the way, you, the, the way that you speak, the way that you feel. You know, stop being angry. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Anger gives a foothold to the devil. Like that's going to do the way we do our work. You know, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others. I mean, uh, this way that Christ transforms us begins to transform every single part of our lives. And uh, Chapter 4 is just so practical. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind. <laughs> 
Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Uh, it's so good, and it's just so good. We'll pick up right here tomorrow. We'll slow down the pace a little bit. Just the first 20 verses of chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. I'm excited, you guys. Tonight at Woodburn, we have a potential church planter going to be with us. His name is Rohan, and I can't wait uh, to sit down with him tonight. I can't wait for our church folks to meet him. We're a church planting church, and tonight we're going to explore the possibility of a new church plant with a church planter named Rohan. I know he's a good man, and I know that that Lord's hand is on him. I'm just trying to explore whether uh, he, uh, the Lord wants a partnership between Rohan and Woodburn Baptist Church. So that's what we'll be seeking tonight. So if you're a church person, come on out tonight. We need you in this house. We need you to help uh, meet Rohan and help seek the Lord together with me. Uh, I love you guys so very, so very much. Have a good day, and I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for 10 with 10.